It's winning season at my bookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means survivor, super contests, and squares. At my bookie, it's time to celebrate the NFL season with some extra cash in your pocket. Sign up now and get your first deposit matched dollar for dollar all the way up to $1,000. And while you're at it, grab yourself an entry into the famed my bookie super contest. Also, MyBookie is offering the customers the chance to grab a plus 54 spread on the already favored Kansas City Chiefs against the Houston Texans this Thursday. The max bet on the promotion is $50, but it's essentially the lock of a lifetime and thus free money for you. Jump on it now at MyBookie.com. The best part is MyBookie has thousands of bets to choose from over the full NFL slate and NBA playoffs from live betting to championship futures Every play you want to make is waiting at MyBookie. Make your pits, picks, win big, collect your cash, use promo code ZABE, and double your first deposit now. It's a no-brainer. And pick up the 50 bucks on the Chiefs plus 54 at home on Thursday night. Your winning season begins today, only at MyBookie. Today on the ZABEcast, is our nickname now the football team? And does it really matter? Because it's going to appear on a ton of scoreboards for the next three months. Andy Pollan joins me. We discuss how to commit career suicide by a guy who we both think is the godfather of sports talk radio. Tom Brenneman begins the long crawl back to the booth, plus a roundup of coronavirus news you will not hear many places else. Your daily Kickstarter of Uncensored Me is locked and loaded, so fuck him up, man. Let's go. Here we go. Wednesday, September 9, 2020. Thank you for joining me. Well, Colin Kaepernick is back in Madden 2K21. Yes, he's been put back into the video game via a downloadable patch from the makers at Electronic Arts. Not only is he back in the game, but he has a a Madden rating that is better than half the starting quarterback's in the league. So in other words, a guy who has not played in four years, who has not consented to a team supervised or sponsored official workout is suddenly better than half the starters in the league. Okay. If I could give the biggest eye roll on radio on a podcast, I could, I would right now, whatever electronic arts, whatever NFL, Whatever, designers of Madden. It's funny because so many scrub quarterbacks were signed and stashed on this extended sort of, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it, practice squad, which normally veterans would not be eligible for. Hell, Josh McCown, back in the league. Eagles signed the 41-year-old Josh McCown as just another emergency quarterback, just in case. It's funny because Madden 2K21 was already so shitty, was already so poorly reviewed, that even guys like me who kind of don't care that it's not polished just wanted the newest game to be able to play it a few times and get up to speed with all the personnel groupings and guys that are on certain teams. We're on the fence now. I've still got mine in cellophane, of course, and I do think I'm going to return it. Of course I am, because that's what I do, right? I return things. I'm not saying the the, the Kaepernick thing was a tiebreaker. Like, I'm, oh, I can't believe it. 
because I really don't give that much of a shit. But part of me says, yeah, you know what? I can't reward that. I'm not mad about it. I'm not making a big stand, but I can't reward that. I feel like if I unwrap it and keep the game, that it's going to just reward that kind of nonsense. Somebody tweeted, hmm, our, our product stinks. It's getting terrible reviews. Quick, let's do something to make it worse. Let's do something to make at least half the people hate it even more. It's amazing the instincts of some people in business to, to just go, yeah, no, we could, we could make that worse for sure. In Arizona, on the coronavirus front, deaths were negative. That's right, negative. State health officials reporting 198 new coronavirus cases, but no additional deaths. Two recorded deaths were removed due to duplication errors. So in other words, they're rising from the grave in Arizona. Arizona, which was this huge crisis just a couple of months ago, maybe not even that, a month and a half ago, their CLI, or COVID-like illness, is down to a level that has not been seen since October of last year. Meanwhile, Kamala Harris has said she will not get a vaccine shot because she doesn't Trump trust Trump. That's if it becomes uh, comes before the election. And of course, if uh, the Democrats win, I would imagine Kamala Harris would change her tune. Joe Biden has walked back his national mask mandate, even though that was a central part of his acceptance speech at the Democratic National Convention. He says, from a constitutionality standpoint, it would be hard for it to pass muster, and so therefore, eh, come on, we're not going to really do that. Also, speaking of vaccines, AstraZeneca, one of the major drug companies working on a vaccine, has halted their trial after one patient had severe side effects. Oops. I'm not anti-vaccine. I'm not getting a vaccine for this, though. That's for damn sure. Vaccines for serious illnesses that are proven to be rock-solid, Polio, mumps, measles, rubella, all that stuff. Of course, I'm pro-vaccine. I even have a daughter who is autistic, and you know how some people believe that vaccines cause autism. I, as a parent of an autistic child, I just don't buy into that. But as far as a vaccine for this, no. (laughs) In a million years, no. The, The risk of the vaccine would be more than the risk of the virus. Also, on college campuses, the numbers are staggering. Some 26 different, oh, I mentioned this at the end of the podcast today. I forgot what I, you'll hear it at the end, but some numbers on that. So you got mass PCR testing, asymptomatic people. They're using 40 cycle amplification. The Germans use 30. Uh, It's leading to a lot of false positives, detection of non-viable virus. You're getting low risk herd immunity along the way. And it's good. This is all a good thing. If we had done this in March, like Sweden, there would be less disease overall now. And we'd be back way closer to normal. But get this, we're going to get closer to normal quickly as this thing fades. And if you look at all the people online and the people I follow that are really doing great work analyzing the data, this thing's going to crash in the next three to four weeks. And then it's going to be interesting because the scramble to try to get on the right side of what you said you said about this thing is going to be frantic and there is going to be a lot of lying and convincing about it. But just stay tuned. Next four weeks, you watch. 
ESPN and the media are crying about private COVID athlete numbers. Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma said, yeah, we're not going to disclose our COVID positives during football season because we don't want to give a competitive advantage. Hey, guess what? They shouldn't have to. Fuck you. It's a private thing. It HIPAA laws say you don't have to do that. Of course, Heather Dinich, ESPN, is losing her mind saying there should be some sort of rule about this. It's not an injury. It's a public health crisis. That's because that's their whole game. This is what hashtag team virus does. When you take away the football from team virus, when they don't have the numbers to obsess about and go, oh, and wring their hands about, that's, they're like, oh, I just got to go cover the games now? Oh, I don't, I, don't, I don't like doing that. That doesn't make me feel morally superior. I just have to report on who won and who made a good play. Boring. Here is a good tweet. You can't defeat a virus. It's not like an army. If you wear masks and socially distance for 72 years, the virus doesn't care. It will end with herd immunity, just like every other epidemic does. I'll put that under hashtag virus gonna virus. Another good tweet. One of the least encouraging things I've seen has been people who are previously, quote, we can't get out of this until there's a vaccine, shifting now to, well, even with a vaccine, we can't go back to normal. Yes, very discouraging. A new article in the journal published by the Cambridge University Press says that testimony to the House Oversight Committee in March of 2020 mixed up case fatality rate, CFR, and infection fatality rate, IFR, for influenza, resulting in a major error on an order of magnitude when it comes to assessing the COVID-19 risk. Oops. Sorry. Guess I should have checked my math on that. Dr. Fauci, who likes to say, I'm just a non-partisan civil servant. Fauci is going to be appearing at the Atlantic Ideas Festival, sponsored by the Atlantic Magazine, known liberal magazine, with Hillary Clinton and Samantha Bee. But, yeah, of course, he's just a nonpartisan civil servant. He's America's epidemiologist. He's Well, actually, technically, he's not an epidemiologist. He's got some degree in something else. But still, totally by the book, down the middle, not partisan. And then if you want insane, here's insane. The state of high school athletics in Michigan is this. Runners, outdoor runners, track and field, cross country are going to be required to run wearing a mask. I kid you not. The CDC itself says you should not wear a mask while exercising because that could make it harder to breathe. Well, no shit. Think about this. In-season runners run 30 to 50 miles per week outdoors, and they're going to be spending eight hours a day in school wearing masks. Unbelievable. Track in Michigan, wear a mask. Dan Patrick's show has been covering the Big Ten fiasco, and it is a fiasco. I mean, they are they are just going to get wiped out. There, there are furloughs and cuts Big Ten wide, and there's a big split as well where apparently Rutgers and Maryland, the two schools the Big Ten brought on for money, 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 those cable TV markets and those dollars for the Big Ten Network of Washington, D.C. and New York. Guess what? Both in very liberal, very hashtag team virus states, Maryland and New Jersey, they don't want to play at all. 
They're like, who cares? Plus, they're not very good. Maryland is on a better track than Rutgers, but still. And I guess Rutgers is showing some signs of life. But, I mean, these are the runts of the litter in the Big Ten. They won't flip. A couple other schools are hard down to not changing their mind. The Big Ten has until Friday to shit or get off the pot or else flush the fall season for football and incur the damage and the wrath and all the financial apocalypse they're going to get. And thinking that they're going to partner with the Pac-12, like, hey, buddy, we'll play some winter football. That'd be great, huh? We'll play uh, in our dome stadiums, and you guys can play out in California and Oregon and Arizona where it's not bad in the winter. And then we'll uh, we'll do the Rose Bowl. That'd be great. Be a Rose Bowl in uh, March. Yeah. Is that great or what? Wait till the Pac-12 just says sometime around November, yeah, we're not playing any football this year. Because you can see that coming from a mile away. Dan Patrick, though, a summary of what he had on his show on Tuesday. A, no one can get a hold of Kevin Warren right now, Big Ten commissioner. Shocker. B, Big Ten medical committee originally wanted an October 10th start. They're now pushing for November as a last gasp to do something before the holidays. There is no consensus at all on what to do. There is no confidence in October at this point. Michigan, Maryland, New Jersey, and Illinois schools are out, out, out. Yes, three of the most democratic of the schools. And then players are starting to rebel and transfers are beginning and may begin en masse. It is a disaster, the likes of which, just wait. I hate to see it because I'm a double Big Ten market guy in sports radio, being in D.C. and in Wisconsin. And I feel bad. I know so many people that work in and around Big Ten athletics. And the tidal wave is coming. And it sucks. For what? The science? Oh, yeah, the science. No politics in this. It was all about the science. Never mind everybody else over here. All the other leagues, all the other sports playing or finding a way to play or at least delaying and modifying and changing up their schedule. They're like, you know what? We'll figure it out. Big Ten said, oh, no, it's too dangerous. Myocarditis. Can't play. And here comes the destruction and the finger pointing. And the asshats that said this is how we're going to go, not heard from, not seen, and probably won't feel any of the effects. It's a damn damn shame is what it is. All right, let's talk to Andy Pohl and see what he is up to tonight. Hello. Andy, you and I have marveled over the years at just how unstoppable the National Football League <laughs> can be. Am I wrong about that? And here they are. On the brink of the 2020 season, when many people months ago said, what are you fools for even trying? Well, here we go. Are you surprised? Uh, Yeah, I am. And I got to hand it to you. Uh, You were unwavering on this. And, uh, you know, I went along with Kirk Herbstreet, who, by the way, last night did a college football game, but said several months ago, I I don't see anyone any way they can play football. I mean, come on, you got guys in locker rooms and once this thing starts to spread, Mm -hmm. my God. We can't do it. So, uh, yeah, it uh, it does surprise me. I, I wasn't – now, I, I don't – you give me credit for saying I was sure about this. I don't know if I really was sure about it. I didn't get 
too sure until right before camps opened. And then I got this sense that the NFL, Andy, was like this giant ice-breaking ship, you know, the ones that clear the shipping channels through the Arctic, mm-hmm. where they're like, fuck it, ice? We don't care. And they plow their way through. And the numbers that they released today were so staggeringly low amongst all these NFL teams after the conclusion of training camp. I, I don't know what the – I don't have the numbers in front of you, but it was like thousands of tests, mm-hmm. eight positives – and only one person right now in the NFL in protocol amongst players and like five yeah. staffers. That's it. Who would have yeah, ever thought that could have been the number? It's remarkable. And, you know, for all of the shortcomings that Roger Goodell has, and he has plenty. Oh, boy. He is a wedge buster. And the owners <laughs> tell him, you know, go down the field and knock people down and get us yeah. a season. He'll do that. And that's what he did. Yeah. There, was, uh, there were people saying don't even have the draft. Yeah. Remember that they want to uh, yeah. delay that. It just, and, and I give the NFL credit, maybe not Goodell credit. That's not in my DNA. I, I can't, I'd vomit over myself if I did, but I give the league credit for being very slow and steady. And so if it took throwing out the entire preseason schedule, they said, fine, don't need it. We're going to get rid of it. Yep. If it took extra practice squad spots, fine. We don't need it. We'll get rid of it. If it took doing the draft on Zoom, fine. We don't need it. We'll get rid of it. Same thing for minicamps and OTAs. They stripped everything down in preparation for punching this ball in on the goal line in the next two days. And I think they're going to do that, and I think they're going to manage to have the season. The fans being in the stands is a whole different story, but that's going to play itself out over the next couple of months, I would imagine. And I just thought about the competitive disparity that some teams are going to gripe about because, for example, the Packers open at Minnesota, right? Right. One of the toughest indoor places to play, right? Mm-hmm. Most the, the, It's Minnesota and Green Bay pretty much vying for the division. They return to Lambeau for the second half of their home-and-home home, November 1st. And by that time, Packers might be at 50%. Might be, yeah. And, yeah. and that is a huge advantage for a division rival, people are going to bitch about this. You watch. Coaches are going to scream bloody murder. Yeah, yeah. We kind of lose perspective. We've gone from, oh, great, we're going to have football. I, right. to, I know. To, you know. to bitching about fair. this. Well, look, uh, I've already said this, the first time I bitch about an instant replay call that takes too long or gets it wrong <laughs> anyway, I'll feel so happy because it means I'm back to bitching about the, the minutiae. That doesn't right. really matter. So I'll be very happy about it. Okay. Interesting kerfuffle arose today on social media regarding the the temporary team name of our former Redskins, the Washington football team, with right. Kevin Sheehan, our colleague and friend, who uh-huh. went full rabid hyena on Albert Breer for a simple list of the most available cap space amongst teams. And he went by nickname. So it was like Eagles, Saints, Titans, and then the football team for the what used to be the Redskins. And Sheehan said, this is beneath you. You should be better than this. You're doing this just to score cheap points. I ask you, Andy Poland, was Sheehan right? I am a great admirer of Kevin Sheehan, worked with him on many shows over the years. But on this one, I think it's a bit of a reaction because if you're consistent, instead of saying Philadelphia Eagles and just saying Eagles, wouldn't you say football team if you were saying Washington, right? Well, there is some debate on that front. First of all, let's just zoom out. Sheehan is usually the last guy to go on social media jihads. 
right? Yeah. He's true. pretty even keeled. I found it odd that he was caping up so hard for the franchise, <laughs> given that he knows and I know this is a temporary name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they'll, they'll have a name by next year. And uh, yeah, for but, sure. Uh, but I think what maybe Sheen was frustrated by, and I know that my boy One Account is frustrated by it as a super hardcore Redskin, Red Wolf, whatever fan, is this constant punching bag status with the media. In other words, we can never do right. It's always something. And so he and others perceive that snarky listing of football team as another shot to the ribs. Like, you guys are idiots. Yeah, I guess. I, you know, I, I didn't feel that way. I, I, I might have felt that way three weeks ago when this first happened. Sure. A month ago. Yeah. But, you know, now it's become somewhat normal to say football team or Washington. I haven't gone WFT. Have you? I'll call him the Wolfed. The Wolf. Yeah, yeah, I'll call him the – but I've been also calling him the Red Wolves just because I'm squatting. Uh, I'm sitting out in front of a Best Buy that's not open yet for the release of the new <laughs> iPhone in line because I think that's going to be it. I hope that's going to be it. Who knows? You gotta yeah. call. You gotta call them something. That's all. And so I, I, I just I gotta call them something. The football team. Here's what's funny though is that you know all of the uh, the, the 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 fingers and the tentacles of the digital world we live in propagates team nicknames across a billion different platforms score apps phones websites stadium scoreboards displays and every football team in the nfl has a nickname we don't so if if the official team name is the washington football team then our nickname is in fact according to the internet protocols football team whether you like it or not that's our stupid nickname that's the way I saw it. I, I found it more depressing when you look at all the logos that are put up and you see this little burgundy W as the logo for the team that you've rooted for all your life. It's, you know. All right. Know. A couple of weeks later, are you now leaning one way or the other on a new name or no? No, I, I really, you know, it, it'll be fine. Whatever it is, you know me. Um, you know, I'll, I'll call them whatever they're going to be. And this but sometimes is, you have preferences. Yeah, but but the, the, this Jason Wright, this is apparently a big thing for him. You know, we have what? to pick the right one, and we have to talk to the right people, and we have to get the okay from this one and from that one. It's not like they can sit around and say, that's a good name, you know, kind of like the way Wizards was picked by uh, Abe and Irene Poland, where they just said, eh, that works, let's bless, do it. Bless your cousin. <laughs> uh, rest in peace, cousin Abe. All right, so the Alex Smith thing is interesting. And I want to get your take on Peterson, not to belabor it. I've talked Peterson on the show. I talked it on the podcast yesterday, but now uh, Alex Smith, supposedly roster spots are vital. Right. We're using a roster spot for a guy who probably can't run under duress. Mm-hmm. Is that a smart thing when it comes to Alex Smith or would have cutting him, would have cutting him been too cold blooded? I don't know what would be involved in cutting him because what you're getting from Patrick Mahomes is what a great mentor he was. You know, now he was the starter when Mahomes was the backup, so now you're going to have the reverse situation. But keeping him around to help to bring along Dwayne Haskins, probably not the worst thing. Okay. And 
and and look at the look at the skill positions, particularly running back and tight end, and even wide receiver, where Terry McLaurin is the only one who looks like he's anything. I mean, it's not like you're cutting some potential all pros, you know, to get get your roster down to fifty three. Looks like they had some openings there. So I, I don't I don't have a big problem with him being on the roster. All right, what about the Peterson thing? I maintain that it was a two-year waste of time and carries. Others said, oh, come on, he was cheap and he produced. Yeah, well, I mean, where did you get, where'd you get to with him? Uh, That's, that know. was my point. I said, so it's over now. What do we win? Yeah, and, well, I mean, yeah, yeah. Bill, Bill Callahan, ground and pound Bill Callahan, you know, that was his guy. Uh, clearly, Jay Gruden didn't want him, right? I mean, he, he didn't make him active for the opener and then made some kind of snarky comment like, you know, if we're going to run the I formation 50 times a game, maybe we can use him. Right. So he wanted to cut him last year, was apparently overruled by King Bruce. Well, King Bruce is gone, and yeah. it looks like Rivera's calling the shots. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, he, he, was, he was better than expected. Was he bet? Was he a better at? Was he better than Bruce Smith as a late legendary tourist type player? <laughs> well, Bruce Smith cost a lot of money, and uh, then the last two years of that four year deal he signed, he was dead weight and just chasing the sack record. But the first two years, he was pretty good. You okay. know, he well, you Peterson know, he was, was good the first year, and you could argue that if Alex yeah. Smith had stayed healthy, you might have had a team that could have done something. I just felt like. Anyone signing a 33-year-old running back is out of ideas. Yeah, but they were out of ideas. You know, they, <laughs> the, Darius Geis was their idea, and he got hurt. So they they brought in a boatload of running backs, and he was in shape and, you know, stood out. And they said, eh, why not? Now, you know, depending on who you listen to, how this happened, apparently Doug Williams did it on his own and then caught a bunch of grief from right. Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen about it. And yeah. now, you know, based on what happened with Jay Gruden last year, it looks like after the first year they fell in love with him. And they said, no, Jay, you can't cut him. So I don't really know. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, the team on paper, except for the defense, which has some pretty studly players, it, it, it looks like a three-win team to me. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm I mean, calling for three wins, and I hate to say that, but my expectations are as low as they can be. So maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. How about this? How about this question? Jacksonville's clearly tanking, right? They're, they're going for Trevor. They're going right. to draft Trevor Lawrence. But let's say Washington has three wins and Jacksonville through some odd tiebreaker also has three wins and Washington has the number one pick. Oh, and Haskins, Look, even though they only win three, looks pretty good. Looks okay. What do you do? Wouldn't, <laughs> what do I do? I say, Dwayne, <laughs> you've been a wonderful guy for us, but move over. <laughs> or yeah. we're trading you or whatever the case is. Uh, the thought of that happening is is kind of chilling. I think defensively they're going to wreck some teams, but I don't see how they score more. Like, we could go weeks without scoring 20 points in a game. They have no tight ends at all. The running back depth chart is a horror show. And Mm -hmm. wide receiver, it's McLaurin and a bunch of nobodies. And Haskins has to improve from last year. And maybe he's the same or, God forbid, worse. Right. And, And that's what makes the Peterson cut so interesting. Because if they're going to win games and they're going to win them 17-10 or, you know, 13-10, whatever it is, you would think that they would do it by running the ball and playing defense. But they're not doing that with Peterson. And is J.D. McKissick that guy? I don't know. He has an, he's a journeyman guy, undrafted free agent. Is, is he going to be that person? They kept 10 offensive linemen, right? That, yeah. That's kind of surprising. 
So it, it looked like it was all set up to be one of those Bill Parcells, you know, ground and pound type of teams, except for the fact that they cut Peterson and they got a bunch of nobodies playing running back. So I don't get it. All right. I hate this story, but I got a report on it. I know him a little bit. I have admired his work over the years. Tony Bruno's Sirius XM radio show canceled, Andy, right. after a riff about how half these guys in the NBA, quote, can't read. Here is the yeah. here's the sound bite, and then we can get into it, okay? This is uh, from Awful Announcement. Well, LeBron's not focused on the game right now. He's talking about the situation that went on with the police shooting over the weekend and uh, ignores everything else, but only talks about <clears throat> the lives that he thinks matter, but other lives don't matter. That's why I despise LeBron James, and I despise the NBA. It is an abs- And they're committing their own professional suicide, Harry, because... There are people Talk who about really, an ironic guess harbinger. There are people who are tired of this. Career they are suicide. tired about everything. I just watch the games. I just enjoy the sport. I, I, I don't get my involved. My guy Harry desperately trying to save either, it. But it's hard to and avoid. And I don't, I don't let it ruin my enjoyment for the sport of basketball and watching guys like Donovan Mitchell go at it with Jamal Murray and Luka Doncic doing what, what he do. did. I mean, I just, I just love the sport. I mean, call I me crazy. The sport has turned me off to it. Not just because of the politics. I don't care about the politics of these players. They're all strappers. Most of these guys only can't even read, for God's sake. Mm. They're going to give me lessons on what matters and what's important? Think for yourself. That's all I tell people. Think for yourself. But that's the problem in America. They don't want everybody to think for themselves. They want everybody to think like you, Harry. Well, not like you. Like me. Particular. No. Nobody wants you don't to, want to think like that. So there you go. I mean, that was easily I, – I could have seen that coming from a mile away. You, you can't say that. It is It is a racist riff to say that. Yeah, I, uh, I traded direct messages with uh, Tony today, and uh, he you know, is thinking this is the end of his career. Um, I am a great admirer of his work. Uh, I work with him some at ESPN. I don't think he's a racist. Uh, I think that there's some context to what he said, though he couldn't say that. He, that was wrong of him to say what he said. Uh, but, you know, in the age of social media, once yeah. you let something like that loose, that's it. Because the tweet and the soundbite are the whole story now. There's no such thing as context or nuance or anything like that. The the previous segment, he was talking about how LeBron was, you know, photographed reading the first page of the Malcolm X autobiography not autobiography but the Malcolm Malcolm X biography mm-hmm. and was asked about it and then gave an answer like yeah I haven't read the book yet like it totally didn't fit even guys who have read the book are like yeah LeBron you're probably not too deep into the book but okay that's whatever all that commentary I think was fair commentary even if it was a bit harsh until he uncorked the thing about half of these guys can't even read you cannot right. say that Right. I and I what I hate about this on a number of fronts is that one, I admire Bruno for his skill set and what he has meant for true sports talk radio. That's number one. Uh, number two, I, I, I don't like that I have associated myself with him at times just by having him on my podcast. And I know Harry Mays very well. And the way the culture now works is like, oh, you know him or you have an association with him. You get tarred by association. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I agree. Not that we're close friends. And then the worst part about it is it's terrible for us bald 50-year-old white guys in the industry because there is this notion of, 
well, we're all that way or we're all that unnuanced. You know, there is that sort of a bias. I'm not crying a river of tears, obviously. No one's going to go, oh, poor white guy and you're oppressed. I'm not. I'm just saying that it's hard enough with the way things are going if you just happen to be 50 and white to get a gig these days because they're looking for the opposite. Right. Well, look, the, the business that we're in and, and Tony was in for a long time and may still be in and, and again, was great at it. Uh, the program director said, be edgy. And he was. He was edgy. Now, this case, a little bit too edgy and over the line, obviously. But these kind of things prior to social media would go unnoticed. Or there and, would be a meeting. It would be a meeting going, Jesus, Tony, what the hell? You can't fucking right. say that. Like, yeah. I need you to chill out. I need you to apologize. And you would only get a couple of emails or a couple of calls. Social media has amplified the pain point of skitterish program directors and executives and companies to the point where any tiny drop of something out of line is fatal. Fatal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Look, I, I said this to Tony today in, in one of the direct messages I sent him was that Mike Breen is one of the most respected people in sports broadcasting. The stuff that he used to do on a daily basis on the IMA show 25 years ago would end his career today. Really? Oh, yeah. Breen? He, Mike Breen. He was very, very funny on huh. IMAs, but it was it was edgy. For yeah. example, when Martina Navratilova would win a big match or a big tournament, he had this soundbite of Rudy Tomjanovich who sounded like this. Oh, and, Jesus. And he would throw to that. Yeah. And, As a joke, so, like, oh, wait a minute. That's the wrong yeah. soundbite. Yeah. Yeah. And then everybody would laugh about it and, uh, you know, and, and move on. And there'd be other things along that vein. But it was all at that time considered acceptable because the, the basis of the Imus show for better or for worse, was satire that that here was a guy who was, you know, making these racial jokes, but saying in in effect that they're not acceptable. You know what I mean? It was it was right. it was some, something that doesn't doesn't work nowadays, but yeah. somehow was considered to be acceptable then. Yeah. Well, and I also I feel bad for for Harry, who I've gotten to know because I, I heard about how they were working up this new chance for Tony, who had been on the sidelines for a while. Yeah. And was trying to claw his way back and to flush it like that. Oh God, it's it's just stupid. It sucks. And he's he's really good at what he does. And I don't think he's a bad person or a racist, but that is a fatal move right there. And it's it's bad for everybody in the industry uh who looks like him <laughs> and looks yeah. like you and I. It's not a good thing. Yeah. Uh right. that said, did you see where Tom Brenneman has begun the long, slow road back? to the broadcast booth if it can lead there, meeting with LGBTQ groups, but admitting that he didn't know the context with which that comment that was caught on a hot mic would have come up, which seems odd. Like, so what were you talking about exactly? And then Mm -hmm. claimed in a whopper, it's the first time in 56 years on the planet he's used that word. No way. No way. Not a chance in hell. (laughs) It flowed out of his mouth like water, like his name. I mean, come on. Not only that, but every word in the dictionary that you've ever heard of has probably spilled out of someone's mouth at some point somewhere, even when they were 12 years old, you know, and you might learn better like, hey, you don't use that word. But to claim that is just a bit of a whopper. So does Brenneman end up back in the booth someday? I, I don't see it. I, I really don't. And and it's it's also, unfortunately, in these kind of things, if he was like the greatest who ever did it, yeah, he might. Sure. Like, 
like, and it's a different kind of thing, but Marv Albert survived Vanessa Perhatch. Marv Albert, really good. Well, Marv, um, Al- Marv Albert, for those that don't remember, was sued by a woman who claims that in a wild sexual night, Marv bit her back yeah. and did some other stuff that was out of bounds, and it was big tabloid stuff back in the late 90s, I want to say. Yeah. And he survived yeah. it. It was actual yeah. assault, which well, today he, would end a career. He he didn't survive NBC. NBC fired him pretty much because he lied about it. He, he said that it didn't happen and then wound up with a plea deal in court. But he resurfaced with TNT and uh, was able to move on. Now, I don't know if that would happen today. But also, Marv, I think, is the best NBA broadcaster there's ever been. Not Maybe doesn't have his fastball anymore. But at that time, was in his fifties and was still pretty good. Yeah. So, okay. Well, we'll see about Brenneman. I find it incredible to say, "Oh, at fifty-six years, I've never used that word." No. Well, what was the reference? I don't recall. Oh, yeah. really? Well, he referred to it as the F capital of the of the yeah. world, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> he should have. He should have said it was from Blazing Saddles, because there. Well, Kansas City, because basically in the movie. Uh, he says, what are you Kansas City words doing? Oh. Do you ever see Blazing Saddles? Yeah, I, mean, I don't remember that scene, but that I, I take your word for it, it happened, yeah. Yeah, so that's uh, I, that's what it was from. I haven't seen the whole movie start to finish, but yeah, there you go. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, where, it's where the phrase of what in the wide, wide world of sports is going on. You know that yeah. one? Yeah, the wide, that. wide world. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? And then, and then he says to the to the chain gang, uh, the prisoners, "What are you so and so bleeps doing?" And obviously, yeah. you cannot say that. You can't even make that movie anymore. So, oh, not no, even no, you, know. you, when you see uh, the, the sheriff riding in, he says, "The sheriff is a mm, yeah." There's a big yeah, right, a big exactly. line, yeah, all that yeah, can't right. do it. Two other broadcast news items: ESPN not using Hank Williams' song now again. What's going on there? They, they, first of all, why did they bring it back? I don't understand that. They brought it back in the wake of people saying ESPN had gone too far oh. on the woke scale, and and they're like, "Yeah, we, you know, so what?" Because basically, Hank Williams Jr. had some bad things to say about Obama. Remember? Yeah. Oh yeah. But by today's standards, I don't know how bad they were. I'd have to go back and research, but they're like, yeah, we're getting rid of them. Okay, so now they decide we're getting rid of them again because they don't feel like the time is right. So the All My Rowdy Friends Are Here on Monday Night song is out again. Does the song to introduce Monday Night Football mean two shits to you? No. (laughs) No. Yeah, I mean, I was not one of the ones when it was gone saying, God, I wish we had it back. Right. Right, yeah. you, you never missed it. Little Richard's "Rip It Up," I guess, is going to replace it. Fine, you know what? Fine. Play the game. You know, <laughs> the, it, it, when they say eight twenty kickoff, make sure it's at eight twenty. That's all I want. All right, and then lastly, this this one I knew would be right up your alley because you and I have some experience in it. Apparently, the Orlando Magic is going with their TV broadcast simulcast on radio next year. And Andrew Marchand say this, says this is an embarrassment to the NBA because of the fact that radio and television are different mediums, and they, the game is presented differently on each. Years ago, he says, Marchand, Charlotte considered getting rid of its radio broadcast, and David Stern stepped in because it came across as minor league. Your thoughts? 
Well, it, it happened with the Bullets some years ago uh, when Charlie Slows was doing the games. Now, I don't know if they did all of them, but I think there was like a package with Channel 20 where they split it with then home team sports. And Charlie did simulcasts with David Dupree, I believe, on Channel okay. 20 and radio. And after a year, they decided, nah, that's not such a good idea. Yeah, it's 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 not good for the NBA. And I, I you know, how much money do you save by doing that? Hundred grand, maybe? I don't, I don't no, know. No, a lot more than that. There's two announcers probably being okay. paid two fifty each. Well, then you know, some teams have done it with one. Why do you need? You don't necessarily have to have two for radio. The, the do bigger you? the bigger question is: Does anyone listen to basketball on the radio? I understand radio broadcasts for football games, college and pro. I don't understand it. Like, remember when uh, Ted Leonsis told us at a dinner that he was going to yeah. move his radio rights to the internet, right. and this was in nineteen, this was in two thousand one, I want to say, something like that. Yeah, and uh, and the league stepped in and said, no, no, you need an actual radio partner, not right. the internet. Well, I think I think people listen in the car. You know, this is the one thing, one place you can't watch. It's yeah, in your I car. guess so. But so. man, you gotta, you have to be really committed on a Tuesday night in February against the Memphis Grizzlies to want to hear the laborious basket-by-basket account of an NBA game when your team is 23 games under. Yeah, there's that. But uh, there's also that the announcer becomes part of the fabric of the team. and uh, these Baseball, basketball. basketball. I, don't, I don't think hockey radio, I don't think NBA radio – I can't believe it still exists. I would well, seriously well, go with just the TV feed on both of those. And I'm not trying to eliminate jobs for my friends in the industry. Well, the the, uh, the, the guy who did the Penguins for a long time uh, was, was quite quite famous and, and well-known. And when – I know you hate this, but when old guys like me and Tom Levero and your older friends start to talk about Willis Reed coming out of the tunnel, it's always the Marv call. It's always and from here radio. Comes the captain. Yeah, you're right. Radio. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Well, anyway, the Orlando Magic. A lot, a lot of announcers are never going to get on a plane again. They're going to be calling games from a home studio for the rest of their careers. You yeah. watch. You watch. Yeah, there'll be a lot of that. That's Saving true. money. Mm-hmm. All right, Andy. What's the record for the Redskins this year? Oh, Red Wolves this year. Uh, I'll go five wins. I'm Haskins, sixteen of sixteen. Uh, I'll say 14 to 16. Misses a couple. Does Alex Smith play? Yes. Okay. Does Rivera coach the whole season, or does he miss some games due to his cancer treatments? Uh, I think he manages to get through the season. Okay. Very good. Is the new broadcast uh, team okay? Uh, yes. On the station that I work for, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andy. You're the best, buddy. Thanks. All right, Dave. See you, buddy. Of course he's going to go with that. Of course he is. All right. I mentioned the incredibly low numbers in the NFL when it comes to their COVID testing. Here's some more incredible numbers. A Twitter account by the name of Andrew Bostom, B-O-S-T-O-M, so it's like Boston with an M on the end, Andrew Bostom, has been compiling the reported number of COVID cases or positive tests, a.k.a. cases, which really is... A misnomer because a a positive test is just that. It's a positive test. A case is a case. Like you have symptoms. You require treatment. Positive tests on campus at a bunch of different schools. I'm counting about 25 different universities. 
And the total number of positive tests on campus with students is over 25,000, 25,941 on an average of about 25 different schools. So about 1,000 per school so far. And there's going to be more, oh, by the way. The reported number of hospitalizations off of those 25,941 tests, positive tests, zero, nada, zip. That is a remarkable thing that I don't think a lot of people in the scaremongering media want to talk about. These kids aren't getting remotely sick, and every one of those positive tests is a good thing. One more herd immune individual that when rattling around out in the public, you know, general population, when somebody who is COVID positive, who might be older, interacts with them and the virus goes to that other person, it doesn't go anywhere from there. It blocks it. You prevent these kids from getting exposed to COVID, which seems like the right thing now, means when they do eventually get it, if they do, which many of us will, then they can bring it home to Nana over the holidays. You want as many as these, since these kids aren't getting sick, you really do want as many as possible getting the virus. I wouldn't recommend injecting it into them. I wouldn't say you should have, you know, uh, shirtless mosh pit scrums to make sure it spreads around. But by God, enough of the draconian lockdowns and kicking kids off of campus. It's nuts. And it's counterproductive. All right, that is a wrap for today. Good show today. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, that was good. A good bounce back. Yesterday's podcast had the wrong intro, the wrong teaser. It was late. I was tired. I fucked up. It happens. There will be a rebate if you are a subscriber on next month's bill. What's that? You don't give rebate? There will be no rebate. But you know what there will be? Consciousness on your deathbed. So you got that going for you, which is nice. That'll do it for me today. Thanks so much for listening. Tell a couple of friends we steamroll towards the start of the NFL season in life could hardly be better. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.